The first place I went in the Rolls Royce was yeah. McDonald's drive-thru. Literally like off the lot and then... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because? I just thought it was cool to go to uh, McDonald's in a Rolls Royce. Why not? <laughs> right? Okay, we are back with our last episode of season three of Real Talk. And I'm excited today. So we've got executive chairman, president, CEO of Douglas Elliman, chairman of Nathan's famous CEO of Vector Group, philanthropist, father, friend of mine, my boss, Howard Lorber. Thank you. Thank you for having me here today, Stephen. I really appreciate it. And he's a great storyteller. And so let's hear some good stories. All right. Well, I would say that uh, one of the good stories right now is how well we're doing in December. Okay. And uh, it's really, really going to be a, a very big month for us. And uh, you should be happy about that also. Us, and we're actually- Us include you. So <laughs> Yes, we're having a so good December. And, thank uh, God. You know, that's a great story. Yep. And also, I think uh, in general, uh, the other great story is really how some of the markets that we're in are performing very well. Uh, New York has been a little slow, yeah. but I'm a big believer in New York City, a big believer in New York City. You know, when I uh, started spending more time in Florida, I asked a bunch of guys that I knew that were uh, moving down to Florida, yeah, taking their families, their kids, and I did a survey. And of the, I think, 23 people I asked, not one of them sold their apartment or townhouse in the city, which means not necessarily they're coming back full time. Right. Some of them probably will, but they want to have a place in a city because New York City is the greatest city in the world. It has everything. If you put all the other great cities together, everything they have amongst them, New York City has in one place Wow! in New York City. (laughs) And so I think that uh, New York City will be the number one second home market for the world. Interesting. Wow. We could just end right there. Okay. Yeah. That, that was good. Wow. Well, I was going to start with a pit and peak, but that's certainly a peak. Do you have any pits? Last month or so, what's been, that was great and positive. What's the negative? Anything um, personal? No, the, or, the, yeah. the negatives were, there was really nothing really negative. Yeah. Okay. I mean, hey, look, after you have an unbelievable year like 2021, everything seems negative after it. Right. And what I tell myself and I tell everyone is that you really can't measure against 2021. 2021 was, I don't know, I don't know what it was. We were all very thrilled about it because we all made a lot of money and it was a big year. And uh, then came 2022 and then that started better and then went down and then into 2023. So I, you know, I think that uh, that's probably the bad part of the story because people want to use 2021. And I tell them, look, that's not the point you have to use. If you want to think back, Okay, and you want to look at what prices really were more realistic. Look at 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019. Uh, Those are the ones that you have to point to. And that's one of the reasons there is very little inventory because the inventory or the sellers want to get a price like it was in their mind in 2021. And that's not happening today. Not with these these interest rates. No, no, no. So, all right. We'll come back to business, but let's take a step back. A little bit of like, this is your life. Okay, so let's start from the beginning. Where were you born? Tell me about your family. 
I was born in uh, the Bronx near Yankee Stadium. Wow. Okay. Uh, lived in a two-family house that my uh, grandmother owned. So my parents were in the house, part of the house, and my grandmother and grandfather uh, lived in the other this part. This was your father's side or your mother's this, side? This is my mother's side. Okay. Okay. This is my mother's side. My father's side, um, my grandfather on my father's side was uh, living in Florida. He was on his, uh, I think, uh, third, fourth, or fifth wife. I can't, <laughs> lost count. Okay. Um, but I grew up with my grandmother and my grandfather to a lesser degree because my grandfather passed away when I was about five years old. Got it. Okay. Um, and what side of the family, your father's side was from Greece? No, my mother's side. Your mother's side. My mother's side. My mother's okay. side. My mother's side was from Greece, from okay. uh, Thessaloniki. Right. Which you know, when she passed away, we found three birth certificates. One said she was born in Turkey. One said she was born in uh, in the Ottoman Empire, and one said she was born in Thessaloniki, which was Greece. That is amazing. Yeah, there are three different ones. Uh, but you can make the case that they all were the same because they kept changing right. you know, in those years. Right. 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 Um, so. Uh, the best thing for me was my grandmother did the cooking in the house. And so I remember when she'd make my lunch for school yeah. that all the kids would be eating tuna fish sandwiches and peanut butter jelly sandwiches. I was eating feta cheese sandwiches and spinach sandwiches, Okay, which was so, the Greek style. Okay. So Evangela Brock, one of our agents, yep. told me that when she comes to see you- She brings, she brings right? the uh, spinach pies. She brings you spanakopita, the uh, spanakopita. Right. right. Exactly. She right. just told me that actually. Yeah. All right. And I was yeah. lucky enough to get my uh, Greek citizenship. It was a little difficult because of the different dates on the passports, right? Uh, on the li on the birth certificates, the different places. But uh, I got my passport uh, two years ago, and so my and my citizenship. What made you do that? I wanted to sort of do it to honor my grandparents. That's lovely. Yeah, that's interesting because more and more people are talking about we're looking at dual citizenships. Right. Uh, Kirk's family, his father's German, so mm -hmm. we could. Do Germany? Mm -hmm. I think I can because we're married now. Uh, but definitely he and the girls, and then of course we talk about Israel. Yeah. But I think Israel we don't need right as much as somewhere else. Yeah. So, well, Israel is easy. Yeah. Just move there. Just move. Yeah. There. Exactly. So Jewish, we're not going to waste just, our just time. Just move there. there. Exactly. But you know, don't yeah. forget in 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 Greece there was uh, when the war started when when the Nazis invaded Greece there were a hundred thousand Jews right in Greece they killed ninety five thousand they took to Auschwitz and murdered. So there were very few left. And so uh, my grandparents had left early. That's what they, they were teenagers. Okay. They left in the in the twenties, not not in the late thirties and forties. Right. So uh but, but they I, left on their own or with their families? They left on they left on their own. So they then were, they, were family, they were teenagers. Your family perished. At pretty much my uh, grandmother would tell me that pretty much everyone that they knew and relatives and friends and whatever all perished during the uh, Holocaust. Wow. So you lead us to something. I'm just going to go here right now. So you're chairman of the National Holocaust Museum. United States Holocaust Memorial okay. Museum. Okay. Yeah. So you've been, you were, that's an appointed position. Yeah, presidential right? appointment. Yeah. Right. But you're talking about anti-Semitism. And certainly we're in a time right now where, I mean, Steven Spielberg finally came out and said something, but, you know, that he's never seen it in his lifetime right. since the Holocaust. What are your thoughts on what's going on? And I, I my thoughts are similar to uh, Spielberg's. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty awful. Yeah, and, and maybe maybe more awful. I always say, in all bad events, there's some good things that happen. Absolutely, and the good things that happen though yep. are sort of awful because we all know now 
how the schools are, what the schools are telling people, mm-hmm. you know, and, and from the lower grades through college uh, with the, what we used to consider the best schools mm-hmm. in the world, whether it's Harvard, uh, Columbia, Penn, um, these schools had presidents and chairmen and uh, plenty of the professors. They weren't doing the right thing with the students. They were basically taking the position that, oh, well, it's okay if, you know, they talk about, you know, from the river to the sea, you know, right. because no one knows what that means really, but yeah. that's not true. Everyone with half a brain knows what it means. Right. And uh, they were letting um, the, uh, certain of the school population that were really anti-Semitic, they let them voice yes. themselves. Yeah, as, as free speech. As free speech, yeah. which is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so I think we learned a lot. I think a lot of us knew that that was going on for years, but it really so came I, out. Now. I have to say, what I I always knew it. Yeah. You know, I've studied the Holocaust. I knew that it could happen, but the veil was certainly the the very light veil was lifted after October seventh, and we were actually we you know when you and I really define after October seventh a feeling and what I'm experiencing in my life and in the world. But we were all in Palm Beach, October 6th. Yeah. Very different. Yeah. One day. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. But you talk about a silver lining. I will say, A, it's unifying a lot of people. Right. So that's wonderful. But also, I think different than the Holocaust, people are standing up. Certainly right. people who, such as yourself, that are in positions yeah. of contribution and right. And make a difference in saying, you yeah. know, you've lost my support or yeah. what it might be. And also, you know, I'm very proud. I'm very uh, f- close with uh, Robert Kraft. And, yeah. you know, he put in a lot of money for the anti-Semitism when you see the little box. Yeah. And that was a while ago he yeah. started that. Yeah. Yeah. Before, before all time. this happened. Yeah. yeah. It was about a year and a half ago. Right. So. Yeah. Good uh, for him. You know, thank God for people like him. Absolutely. Well, there's a lot of business leaders. That, yeah. I mean, that encourages me. Yeah. And. Well, Mark Rowan, yeah. who really started it by writing at, the at first Penn. letter to Penn. Yeah. He's the uh, uh, head guy at Apollo. Yeah. Uh, it's a major company. And he was, when he first came out, I mean, he really was the leader of all this. He was. Stepping he was. up. He was amazing. Then yeah. you had Bill Ackman yeah. follow and you had lots of other people yeah. follow. Yeah. Thank God. So yeah. there's a little bit of a silver lining. Yep. And well. The Jews aren't going anywhere, so right. just but it's it's a sad time. Yep. All right. So let's get back to <laughs> we'll leave all that. Let's get back to a more innocent childhood. Right. So how many siblings do you have? I have a uh, sister that's uh five years younger than me. Yeah. No, excuse me, five years younger. Yeah, five years younger, and a brother that's ten years younger. Okay, right. Yeah. So you all grew up together. My my pit my uh, grandmother who we lived with at yes. the time. We moved from the Bronx. She sold the house. We moved from the Bronx. Okay. And moved to New Jersey. And my sister and my grandmother lived in one bedroom. Huh. My brother and I lived in another bedroom. Yeah. My parents had a bedroom, and there was only uh, one full bathroom for all of it for the six for, of you. For, yeah. Yeah. There was a half bath, but there was only one. Now I can't even share a bathroom with anyone. <laughs> uh, I, just maybe we, we were talking maybe. about what keep what's keeps a, a relationship alive. Yeah, yeah. It's large living bathrooms. spaces yes. and separate bathrooms. Exactly. And someone went on to say separate bedrooms. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I haven't gone that far. Right. Well, good. All right. It's still fresh. Yeah. Good. Okay. So you're living, you you're in high school and then you go to college, Long Island. Yes. Right? Right. 
you've achieved all this, you know, your father, philanthropist, business person, friend, you're active in the community. Did you envision this? Did you like, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting because yeah. everyone used to say to me, I don't know why, like my parents, friends and stuff. So yeah. you're really going to be great. You're going to be a winner. When you were younger. When I was yeah. younger and yeah. I didn't really, couldn't figure it out myself why they thought that. Uh, what they, they were seeing something, but yeah, you didn't know what exa- it was. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's not that I wasn't confident. I thought I was confident, but uh, I, I still like questioned it, you know. Right. If everyone's telling me how, everyone tells you how great you are. And then what happens if you're not so great? Right. That's <laughs> then, right. Of then course. you're really depressed. Right. So I was worried. About, I was worried about that. But so there was some light or someone, people saw things in you. Yeah. At what point did you see it in yourself? Well, I, you know, I went, I went to, uh, I went to college and I wanted to be an electrical engineer. Okay. And then your they, father was, my father was an electrical contractor. Contractor. Right. And, uh, so I, I go to school and I wanted to have an engineering program. Mm-hmm. And uh, after the first year, they stopped the program because there weren't enough people enrolling in the program. So I asked around, I said, what's the easiest way to graduate this place and get out of here? You know, if it's not going to be the engineer <laughs> right. or whatever. So they told me the easiest way to graduate is become a sociology major. So I said, fine. So I became a sociology major. I didn't even know what it was, right. sociology. Um, so uh, I wasn't going to be a social worker. I knew that. So I got through it. And it was pretty easy and, you know, it wasn't, uh, w- wasn't really difficult. But then when I graduated, you know, I started thinking, what do I want to be? I want to be something in finance. So I wanted- Were you good with numbers? Yeah, I was very okay. good. I was very good numbers. Okay. I was the type, like I had very high SATs in math yeah. and like zero in English. <laughs> so so, okay, well, so I, clearly so, you knew yeah, where to lean. Yeah, exactly. So um, I- Tried getting a job at a stock brokerage firm. Right. I wanted to be a stockbroker. I finally got one at uh, what you would call today uh, or in the past a bucket shop. Yeah. You know, those were the only guys that were hiring. And then ultimately that went out of business. I went to a, to a bigger firm, a New York Stock Exchange firm. Right. And I, I enjoyed it. And you but did I, well. Yeah. And did, you're young. I did, you're I did, in your I, 20s. Yep. I, yep. I did well. And I decided that, you know, to really be successful... You have to know how to, in business, any business, I should be able to read a balance sheet, mm-hmm. read a P&L, yep. and, you know, look at the numbers. So I went back to school. I got a master's degree in accounting. Where? At Post. At the okay. same place oh, same I went place. to at Post, yep. So I got a master's degree there. Then I got an honorary doctorate there from there. and But the honor, that's years later when you spoke at yeah, yeah, a yeah. graduation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh, you didn't have but, to but study for that one. But it was important to go back. Sure. And, and. How could you really be a business person in business if, if you, you can't, can't read right. financial statements? So I think okay. that's basic. And then, so were you working at the time or you went back I was full a time? St- I was a stockbroker. Yeah. No, I went back part-time. Okay. For my, for my master's. So still working, doing, still working, getting your master's. Being, being, a, being a, uh, a broker. Yeah. So I was a broker, stockbroker for five years of bad market. But the interesting, one of the interesting things, which I tell brokers today in our business, yeah. in the real estate business, that a bad market is not necessarily bad for a broker because what I did is I just cold called and I opened up so many accounts. You know why? Because I didn't, I didn't have these accounts. I didn't lose any money for them. Mm. All of them lost money with their existing broker. I was a newbie. 
I didn't have time to lose their money. Right. But if I had them as clients, they would have lost money with me also because you can't fight a real bad market. Right. So I opened up hundreds of accounts. That's amazing. And that's how I started, you know, started the business. Right. And then uh, about 19, let's see, 75, I left the business and I went into the uh, in, uh, insurance business, uh, mostly life insurance and pension plans Sales. and so forth. Sales. So why the switch? Because I didn't like the idea of people losing money when okay. you have, when you can't control them losing money. Right. Because in a bad market, yeah, yeah. always going to no lose. No matter what always you Always going to lose That's money. right. Yeah. And I never knew what to say when someone would call me. The worst time for a broker in a bad market is when uh, tax time, because now they look at their tax return and they see how much money they lost. And they'd call and say, oh, you know, I lost uh, $85,000. And I'd say, oh, not bad. I thought you lost more. I didn't know what else to say. So that was my way of handling it. But I, I was uncomfortable. I, I, didn't, I didn't like it. Okay. So when you talk about the insurance and tax planning and things like that and estate planning, you know, there's no one that ever complains about it. First of all, when they're gone, they're gone. And, but they're, they're, they're on their deathbed. They realize that their family is going to get taken care of. Right. Because yeah, so you're giving the them something so for you're security. Giving them, you're giving them security. But you were more than just insurance sales. You got yes. involved in financial planning yes, and exactly, all that. Exactly. Okay. Yes. All right. So I got, I got yeah. all the degrees. I got a, a chartered life underwriter degree. I got a ch ch chartered financial consultant degree. So I did and all successful. Those. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And in between, when did you get married and start a family? Uh, I got married when I was, I think, 21. Wow, you were yeah. young. Yeah, I was young. I was young. Maybe I was 22. I think I was 22. Okay. Yeah, I think I was 22. And Brian and Michael came along fairly. No, five years later. That's not yeah. that long. Yeah. <laughs> I was in shock, so right. I didn't want to. Yeah. <laughs> five, five years later, Brian okay. was born. And right. Then, uh, and then I think it was another five years uh, till Michael was born. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Five years apart. All right. Two kids, two grandkids later. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. All right. So insurance. Now, is, is and this- more to come, hopefully. What's that? Please, God. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah. Yes, hopefully. So is this the Bob I time with? Yeah. 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 Because Bob was working for the insurance agency that I was putting my business with. Okay. Got okay. it. Okay. Yeah. You know, you have this general agency right. that represents certain companies and, you know, yeah. Bob worked for the guy there, but he didn't like it. Okay. So, so then he joined us and we had a small brokerage firm that we did very well with trading a trading firm this was early even 80s. even when i was in the insurance business okay yeah and that was yeah in, in the 80s and then ultimately around 19 uh what do you think 19 i think 88 i sold that business the insurance business to a, a big public company uh, uh harcourt brace jovanovich who was a publishing company right but they had also bought an insurance company a life insurance company and they really wanted to get my business, so they figured the way to do it is buy my company and you know, whatever. Were you part of it, or you just? No, no, no. I still, yeah. I still ran it. Yeah, you know, uh, still ran it. And then ultimately, I ended up getting it back. I think I sold. I sold it for stock. Right. I got very lucky. The stock. You know, usually you sell it for stock, and by the time you're allowed to sell the stock, yeah, it's down. It plummets. Yeah. Right. I was in a situation where, by the time I was ready to sell the stock, it probably was triple what it was. When That's I sold amazing. The yeah. And so I was, I was able to sell it and, uh, which I did. And, uh, then a couple of years after that, that company was having troubles and I ended up buying it back for like nothing. So that happens a lot. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. The, the big companies. Right. Does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Does. Okay. All right. So, so yeah. oh, and during that, I was always interested in real estate. You know, um, I, Buy, I, but, so were you buying real estate investment? I was just interested in it. I yeah. hadn't really bought anything in the earlier years, later years. I bought some stuff. And, uh, you know, if you ask my kids, they would say, yes, we would go around to, uh, houses, you know, that we saw, you know, open houses and stuff like that. And if no one was there, you know, my, they would tell you, my father tried opening the window and having us climb in to open the front door, you know, it was like breaking and entering, <laughs> um, but in a nice way. And, um, so they were into it also, right. just like I was. And so it's funny when I was younger, my love of homes and architecture yeah. comes from my father. Because we grew up yeah. outside of Philadelphia, which are some of the most beautiful suburbs. And he, we would drive around and he'd show us homes. And now to this day, you know, we have homes in the Hamptons, but I'll just, I'll drive down any yeah. driveway I want. Kirk yeah. goes crazy. Yeah. I'm like, you know, just tell them, I'm, yeah, I'm, we're I'm, looking for the Goldbergs. I'm, I'm, like, the same, I'm, the yeah. same, I'm the same way. What are they going to do? I'm the same way. But along the way, you know, I tried to, like, like when I was in high school, yeah. my father wanted me to go to work with him, you know, and on the weekends when he had to work on the weekends, right. you know. Uh, the one thing I learned very quickly is, is you don't want to work weekends. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> right. You know, uh, he, he was a little uh, volatile. He was great. I love my father, Yeah. but he, he was a screamer, you know? And so I quickly thought, you, you know what really happens? I was, you know, maybe I was 14, 15 at the time. Right. I actually believed and thought that I was smarter than my father, which of course wasn't true. Don't we all? I, think I just, that? I, yeah, <laughs> I just, I just thought that I was right. Okay, but I learned years later that I wasn't so, you know, smart. Okay, so Got my it. mother, my yeah. mother was very smart. My mother graduated high school at fifteen and graduated Hunter at uh, eighteen. That's amazing. Yeah, and she worked. Uh, she didn't really work much. She took a job at one point, but uh, uh, yeah, she went she, to Hunter. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah, back Hunt, then. yeah. yeah. Hunter was, you know. Whatever. Yeah. But the problem is when we moved uh, from the Bronx to uh, New Jersey, my father applied for a job in with an electronics company, and he had to take a security. Uh, they had to check a security clearance because they did some government work. Right. And uh, they found out that my mother, while she was at Hunter, was a member of the Young Communist Party. Which, by the way, I found out later, everyone was right in those days. That was like the young uh, what yeah. you did. Yeah. You were you joined the Communist Party, <laughs> and he didn't like everyone. The, and and he I think the whole school was a member of the Young uh, Communist right, Party, right? And probably the children yeah. of the but people. Th that they did worked the, it out. My father got the job, so, okay. so it, didn't, it didn't really mean much. Got it. Got it. All right. So we're moving. Along. My mother, my mother was the type though that that all my friends when they had trouble with their homework would come to my house or our house to have my mother help them. That's amazing. Yeah. And your kids knew your parents. Yeah, yeah. My father died young. My mother. Right. My mother. Died a few months before our ninetieth birthday. My father oh, good long. had a stroke, and he he I think he passed away about seventy three years old. Still, that's yeah. young, but yeah, yeah but ninety is wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you're moving along. Success is happening. Do you remember at a certain point where that uh, something shifted in you, where you really saw yourself differently, or you started focusing on even bigger and bigger goals or more expansive no, goals? No, I, I wanted to do what I liked, and, and that was uh, Is real, that where the real, real estate? estate. Yeah. And so a lawyer friend from Long Island called me and told me they had a client that uh, had a real estate brokerage company. It was only in Long Island. And there were two partners. One was Dottie Herman. Sure. And then she had this partner who I don't even like thinking of his name. 
And he told me that Dottie was, Dottie was great, yep. but the other guy was terrible. So whenever the company was doing well, okay, Dottie was running it and was doing well, and mm. the other guy didn't really care. But as soon as it was doing, Poor excuse right, me, yeah. I, I have it backwards. Yeah. As soon as it was doing well, uh, yeah. he came in to take it over right, again. Right, okay. And then surely sure, after a few months, it was doing bad again. So then Dottie would come back in. Then it would be better again. Then it would be back and forth, back and forth. So, I uh, I met Dottie first, and, but did, uh, did did this lawyer? Did people know you were looking for this type of company? No, they just thought I they, they knew I was doing deals. I also do, bought Nathan's in between. Got it. Okay, stuff. so yeah. they knew I was interested in you know doing different things. So I met Dottie first, and she was great. And she told me about the partner, and I met the partner, and boy, he was <laughs> a disaster. <laughs> so I made a deal with him yeah. that he would still get paid, but he can't come to the office. Okay. That lasted two weeks. Then he started coming to the office. Right. And basically, we threw him out. And uh, then I was able to buy the rest of his stock out. So then uh, we each, Dottie and I each had uh, 50%. No, this, I didn't have 50 My company had 50 20 years ago. Uh, yeah, that was 20, no, 20, 20 years ago, we bought Douglas Selman. We bought, ah. we bought what was called Prudential right. Long Island right. Realty. Right, right. About five or six years before that. Right. Okay. And with the other guy gone, Dottie did a good job and then it was, uh, became profitable. Right. And in fact, uh, Realogy, sure. I think in those days, yeah. Ascendant, whatever Ascendant, it was called yeah. in those days, you know, offered a lot of money. And I said, you know, I knew Dottie, I, I was pretty sure Dottie wouldn't sell, but I said to her, you know, think about it. I don't care. It's not going to change my lifestyle, but you know, you've never had any money. And this way you, you, you right. really have some money that, would take care of you and your needs and your family for years. Mm -hmm. And of course, I said, take as much time as you want. She called me the next morning and, and I said, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to sell. Right. And then we decided, okay, what, what's our next step? What are we going to do? We're in Long Island. So we decided we want to open in the city. So, uh, And you were living in Long Island at the I time? I was living in uh, the South Shore of Long Island yeah. at the time. Okay. And, uh, and Dottie was uh, on the North Shore of Long Island. Mm -hmm. And so I was friendly with Andrew Farkas, who owned at the time Douglas Elliman. Mm -hmm. So I figured there, there was talk. He had it in a public company. And I, I've come to, I was, in my conclusions in those days, I thought that, that brokerage companies, whether it's stockbrokers companies, real estate, brokerage businesses are all volatile. Mm -hmm. they're not, you can't get consistent growth. There's always bad years. And what investors like to see is consistent growth sure. over yep. long periods of time. So I knew that he had a uh, commercial business and a, pre and a residential business. The commercial business was the old Edward S. Gordon mm -hmm. commercial business. And the residential business was Douglas Elliman. So I called them and uh, he said, nah, I don't want to sell, whatever. But I knew there were stockholders that were trying to get him to sell. So I come into the office maybe a month after I spoke to him on the phone and I walk into the elevator and I look up and there's Andrew Farkas. I say, hey, Andrew, we talk for a couple of seconds. And then he got off at the 32nd floor. I went up to the top floor where my office was and I called the concierge and I asked him who's on the 32nd floor. Mm. So he tells me that um, uh, it's, it was a private equity company and I forget his name, but he was actually Diane Feinstein's husband, hmm. and he had, oh, and he right. had, and he had bought 
C.B. Richard Ellis. Mm -hmm. They controlled C.B. Richard Ellis at the right. time. So now I'm more sure that Andrew's really going to sell the company. So I call him and leave a message on his phone because I knew he was still downstairs. He called me back late in the day. And I said, Andrew, what's the story? He says, okay, okay, you called me, I'll tell you. Uh, you know, we, we, we want to liquidate the company. We, we have a deal to sell uh, C.B. Richard Ellis. And uh, we have a deal to sell um, Douglas Selman to Corcoran. And before I said, okay. And he said, but because of our, our market share and their market share, you have to go through FTC right. approval. Right. And that's going to take a it's while. So big, yeah. And then you may have to divest yourself of offices right. and stuff. So I said, it's perfect. I have no offices, okay, in the city. We're just in Long Island. We had one teeny office in the city. Mm -hmm. It was nothing. And uh, so I could close immediately. I said, just send me over the contract. Whatever she's paying, or whatever they're paying, I'll pay the same. And we'll get the deal done quickly. And that's really that's what happened. happened. That's how we That's amazing. It. Yeah. yeah. I mean, right place, right time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. An elevator and then. Exactly. And the concierge that's, likes That's you. life, you know. That's amazing. Yeah. All right, so there is luck in- uh, Yeah, there is. Or being in the right place yeah. with some smarts. That's amazing. I never knew that. Yeah. That's a cool story. It is, yeah. Yeah. Is. I, still, right. I still kid yeah. Farkas about it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> He's a very smart guy. Yep. Did you ever meet him? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. had dealings with him. Yeah. Okay, so now it's been 25 years, 27 years with, you know, the different real estate, but LMN the last 20-ish. You always, I mean, you meet with all of us. You have time for, anytime I call you on your cell, yeah. if you don't pick up, you call me two minutes later. Well, look, the fact is you can only do that if you really love the business. I was going to, you I, clearly I, like this. I love the business. Yeah. I like communicating with people. Right. I like to help the brokers. And I, look, I, I have this, you know, I think, I think most of the companies, you know, our size, a little smaller, a little bigger, our size though, basically, is they believe that the buyers and the sellers are their customers. Okay. Mm. I believe, not that, I believe that the brokers are our customers and the buyers and sellers are their customers. Right. And so if you believe that, where should I spend all my time? I should spend it with the brokers. And, I've, and I learned also early on that a couple of things I learned. Number one, and I learned that before Douglas Summon, that I would always pledge to myself that I would return every phone call the same day I got it. Even if it's to say to someone, you know what? I really was tied up today. I'll call you tomorrow. Right. And that was been that way, you know, my whole working life. It's amazing. I will admit sometimes it gets so crazy. Maybe yeah, it's going to sure. take me two days. But right. I, I generally, but I'll always call them and I'll say, hey, I can't speak to you today. I'll call you tomorrow. Right. Now it's easier. You could text them or yeah, email them, right. you know, and say, I'll call you tomorrow. So that, so that was uh, an, an important factor. And, and I've, and I've stayed with that. And, and I know I'm very, I'm very good. Uh, I know what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. I'm not really good at taking a new person and making them a good broker. Mm -hmm. But what I'm really, really good, great at is taking a good broker and making it into a superstar. Right. Right. And, you know, uh, you know, from where you came, all the people that we brought in from other sure. companies. Yep who were, you know, substantial companies. And if they were doing, uh, you know, $2 million in commissions within a year and a half, two years, they were doing $6 million. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, certainly if the, you look yeah. at my trajectory yeah, exactly. the last four years. Yeah. yeah. Same yeah it's thing. been good. Same thing. Yeah. 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 Why should you be different? That's a, exactly. You're a smart guy. There you go. There'd be a problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So that's, that's, I mean, you're really, you are about people. Yeah. And everybody loves you. 
Everybody. Well, I, I, Everybody look, I can loves give you, you. I love when people say it to me. I said, I can give you a whole list of people that don't like me, believe me. I promise there's a whole bunch. So something else I learned yeah. was that, you know, very important in business is a great brand name. And no matter how bad the management is in a company with a great name, yeah. uh, and I'll give you some examples in a, in a second, that those companies survive even with terrible management. And so there were three specific companies that I was involved with that had great brand names and Lacking lousy, management. Lousy, lousy management. Right. And the first one I got involved in was uh, Nathan's. Right. Okay. Um, the hand workers had started the company. They really didn't do anything to improve it, you know, whatever. And then we came in. Uh, the stock was, pro was public. We took it private. And then we took a public again and the stock went from like, uh, we, I think it came public at $8. It went to $2 and then it went to like $125. Wow. Amazing. And it's, a, but it survived. And you think about it, it started in 1916 mm -hmm. and it survived yep. through most of the years, all the years of the hand workers. And I'm not blaming the hand workers, but it's just a fact. And then uh, we bought, I uh, bought with a partner at Western Union. Mm -hmm. You know, Western Union was the old, Telex business, yeah, and then we transformed it. But a, a great brand, a great brand, a great brand name. It was a very trusted company, Western Union, and um, so we took control of it and uh, basically went into changed it and and went into the money transfer business. They had lousy management. We went into the money transfer business, changed the management, and were able to sell that in a bankruptcy court for uh, a billion, Amazing. $300 million. Wow. We owed it. We owed 900 million. Okay, but you still- bank stuff. So, right, we, yeah. so we ended up with 400 million right. in, a, in a basically shell company that we then used to buy some other companies like, like Douglas Elman. Right. We used that money there for that. So brand name. Bra brand names are very, are very, it's almost impossible, no matter how bad the management is, to kill a really good brand that's been around for a long time. Right. Wow. That's... So Western Union was around since the uh, 1860s yeah, or something like that. Yeah. yeah, that's an old company. Yeah. That's amazing. So I want to ask you two questions, or I want to hear about two stories. They both have to do with cars. One you've told before, but one I heard. The first, your Uncle Harry. <laughs> so tell us the story oh, Michael, about the car. Ha Michael Harry was in the garment business and he was always, you know, garment companies, they come, they go, right. you know, they have good years, terrible years. So he gave me a, uh, a car that he had. This was, uh, how from, old were you? Uh, I was, uh, I guess, 16, Okay, 17. so like your yeah. first car. Yeah, yeah. My, fir my first car. Right. And the bad news about Uncle Harry, may he rest in peace, is that um, he was a gambler. So whatever he made in the business disappeared. Okay. So one day he came and told me he had to take the car back because he has to give it to the bookies that he owes money to. So, so I said, okay, handed him the keys yeah, and he drove off. And that, that, was, that was, that was the end. Of, that was the end of my first, that was the end of my first car. All right. And then the other uh, is more, I think more known, which is the first time, what was it? You got a Rolls Royce. Yeah. And you just, the first place I went in the Rolls Royce was yeah. McDonald's drive-thru. Literally like off the lot. And then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because I just thought it was cool to go to uh, McDonald's in a Rolls Royce. Why not? Right. Probably no I one else that. ever did it. So I, I figured I, probably, I figured I would do yeah. it. No. Warren Buffett goes in a, what's it? In yeah, a Cadillac. A, yeah, Cadillac. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, right, right. Okay. So 
philanthropy is very important to you. Yep. You support, you give a lot. I remember, I won't say the, but when we were sitting in Palm Beach and they were doing that one, you looked at the, <laughs> the group of who was on the board and made a comment to me. So tell me about, is it Silver Shield? Yeah. Okay. In fact, that's where I'm going after this. We, okay. have, we oh. have our annual uh, event. Okay. I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't um, a problem. So yeah. Silver Shield was started by George Steinbrenner, the rationale of having an organization that would pay for four years of college education for the child of any uh, police officer or firefighter killed in the line of duty. Amazing. And when he passed away, right. I took it over with a friend of mine and continued it. And, so this uh, has been uh, an ongoing... It's been an ongoing thing, yeah. yeah. Well, Steinbrenner passed yeah. away, I guess, who was around 96, I think, or something like has that. Has it been that long? Wow. No, 2006. Okay. 2006, okay. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So, um, you know, we built it up and... Uh, yeah. In fact, a, a lot of it really went... Not not a lot of it went, but, you know, the uh, 9-11 stuff sure happened before that but right that was a real mess you know with yeah. all the cops and the yeah. firefighters and stuff of course but thank god they had another fund anyway yeah the 911 fund to take care to, of take, care to of take care of most of yeah. those needs right but uh we take care of these kids and uh then we also like tonight you'll yeah, we'll have the event tonight, tonight tonight we'll have the people on the board of the silver shield i'm mm -hmm. the co-chairman with a friend of mine and then uh we'll have uh, a lot of the widows Mm -hmm. uh, show up mm -hmm. yeah it's great that's beautiful and, oh, and lots of police police and fire sure well, the be, chief be of police usually the right. chief of the fire department and then also from some of the other areas that we cover like uh like parts of new jersey and westchester and and uh, connecticut amazing yeah. were your parents who taught you about giving in tzedakah i don't know i think it's just something that you know caught me and i you know uh, wanted wanted to do you know, I just, uh, I'm pretty varied in, in your giving and yeah. giving and right. charities, you know? Yeah. 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 You've told me that they are diverse. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know. That's amazing. My latest one. Okay. Is West Point. And how and why because, West Point? Because when I was chairman of the museum, I was asked to give a speech for the museum, uh, at West Point. Right. And I said, West Point, why West Point? They said, well, West Point has a Holocaust studies program that has like 150 cadets enrolled wow. in the Holocaust studies program. That's amazing. So I was shocked. So I yeah. said, great. So I went up there and did it. I loved it. It was fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Thank you for Who all think? you do. Who would think no, West Point, I right? didn't know where you were <laughs> yeah, going with exactly, that one. Exactly. Um, all right. We good? We're Anything good. Anything else you need to tell me or tell the world? Nope. All right, Howard, thank you. Okay. All right, we're going to wrap this. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in. You can find us on all the media platforms, Stephen Cohen and why, and leave your comments, questions, and we'll see you soon. Thanks. Thanks.